Doesn't that energize you a little bit? And I, and I, I know some of you are thinking, Mark, we are in a uh, spiritual cesspool and moral decline in our nation, it seems like. We're so divided in our country. Can God really do that? Uh, let me ask you this. How many of you believe the scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life? Okay, we put our, we put our faith in that what Jesus Christ has done. But let me... Let me ask you this. Do you really believe that God can pour his spirit out in a, in a way? He's done it before. Why would he not do it again? And, and I know many people think, man, has it ever been this bad? Yeah, it actually has been. In fact, uh, when we were early as a nation, in fact, there was a presidential election that took place. Thomas Jefferson was running. Many Christians thought that Thomas Jefferson was the Antichrist. And so they thought if we can vote him in as president, that means that Jesus is going to return. And he'll take care of everything that's going on. And it was a uh, economically, morally bankrupt time for us as a nation. But God, through his mercy, poured himself out. And you look at those three movements that were in that video. During the time of them, and, and many of you uh, are in this room, were alive during the Jesus movement. I was privileged to come to Christ out of that. But but what happened is, is in each of those times, it was a time of moral bankruptcy. It was a time of divisiveness in our nation. And it was a time of economic downfall as a nation. In fact, during the Jesus movement, we were at war, Vietnam, during the, the midst of that. But God in his mercy poured himself out. I wanted you to see that because I want there to be a seed in our hearts about what God wants to do. I'd like to be on the cutting edge of that. But let me tell you something. Every time that God has poured himself out in great awakenings or in movements, and some of them weren't called great awakenings, they were just movements of God, there was a desperate remnant of people who cried out to God for it to happen. And I think God is waiting for that remnant, that desperately seeking people, as he pours his spirit out. I'm afraid sometimes the church has become too apathetic, and we need an awakening ourselves uh, to, to enter into that. But I'm so glad that you're here. I, I just want to say a word of gratitude for all of you that are committed in our Bible fellowship time, whether you're teaching adults, or students, or children, or our preschool, man, thank you. This was a great kickoff day. And uh, some uh, of our kiddos, new fifth graders, are in here today. And I went by there and kind of gave them a little handout so they kind of help them kind of take notes in what we're doing. And uh, so if you have someone that's taking notes, you're probably saying, I want one of those to take notes. Well, I can do them for you next week, but it's just going to help them out a little bit. But uh, next week... Um, we're going to be starting a new series and, you know, um, this one has been germinating on my heart for a while and, and it's actually dealing with Jesus as a marriage counselor. And I know you're thinking, well, if I'm not married, it's not that big a deal. I come. No, it's huge because the teachings of Jesus are universal. We're going to focus on marriage and family, but let me tell you, it, it's going to strike you. So I just really encourage you, uh, to be here as we, as we look at this. Um, today, though, is uh, uh, a little bit of an off time for me to be able to share with you my heart in some particular ways. You know, in this community, this was this is kind of an interesting week, good week, but but yet it was kind of what I call bittersweet. Um, had two funerals this week that I was involved in. On Friday was Charles Avery's funeral, and many of you know Charles or knew of Charles and the influence he's had in this community, um, not just his family with all the Avery Ranch stuff, but his life personally as a follower of Jesus Christ and had an opportunity to be a part of that funeral and, and share a little bit. And man, just 
such a great thing uh, to be a part of that godly funeral. And then yesterday was Barry Fredrickson, a very godly man, passed away. His funeral was right here in this room and got to share it it as well. And and just two days, two godly men uh, go to be with the Lord in their 70s. And so I'm thinking, man, is there men going to step up, you know, be godly men in our day? Because two of them have just gone on to glory, and and, uh, but God wants to raise up his army. But in this community, since we have lived here so long, that oftentimes somebody will come up to me, and it happened sometime this week uh, in people that I bump into. Sometimes it's people that used to go to Central, don't go to Central anymore, or people in this community. And they'll come up and ask me this, and and this question always kind of gives me the hives. They'll say, Mark, how is Central doing? Now, good night. My mind starts playing ping pong, okay? First of all, I'm thinking, well, we've got some marriages that are falling apart, and we've got some marriages that are really growing deep. We've got some people that are coming to Jesus, but then we've got other people that are walking away from their faith. We've got uh, some young people that are uh, uh, in rebellion and, and kind of entering the, the uh, foreign land. Then we've got other teenagers that are getting excited and on fire for Christ, wanting to see things happen. We see, um, we see some things uh, about this that some people are coming, that guests are moving to the community, and they come and they visit at Central, and they're finding their place of service. And then in the very same service, we'll have somebody that says, oh, this is going to be my last week at Central. And so I see these mental gymnastics that are taking place in my mind and they simply ask how central doing so how do i answer fine (laughs) isn't that what we do we just answer fine when all these other thoughts are going through our mind in that or somebody will walk up to me and they'll say mark i've heard of central but what kind of church is central now that's a loaded question so you know, I start thinking back of everything we are on paper, okay? We are uh, we're a conservative evangelical church, theologically uh, conservative. We are a family of Christ followers. We were baptized believers, very diverse, but we believe in the Bible as our guide. We uh, uh, also are, are people uh, who believe that God has a calling upon us, that we are, we exist to exalt Christ. We, uh, we believe that we're here to edify believers and to grow up. We believe that we're here for evangelism. We take the gospel of Jesus Christ to need, who need Christ. And that we believe service. We believe that we are called to serve. And so, and we're also, our culture, our history, it's part of the Southern Baptist Convention. So I'm going through all of this thing so I could tell them, you know, we're a, we're a church here in Round Rock. We're constituted. We're chartered. We're everything you, legally you need to be. We're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's our culture. That's our heritage. We're theologically conservative, evangelical, believe in sharing the gospel. We believe in exaltation, edification, evangelism, and service. And that's who we are. And they simply wanted to know something simple. But I go through all of those mental gymnastics, and you can be something on paper, but your heartbeat could be totally different. And so it's really got me to thinking about who we are and, um, and what we do. Many of you know my story, uh, but if you don't, I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit of it. When I was born, my dad was dying of cancer. And at the age of 15 months, for me, my dad passed away. 
But one thing my dad did is he made sure we were in church and we were in church. I sometimes say I was going nine months before I was born. And church, I probably learned to sin at church. I mean, I was there Sunday morning. I was at Sunday school. I was at Sunday morning worship. Sunday night, I would be back. Our family would be back at church. And then we would hit Dairy Queen after Sunday evening services. So that made it a full full day of church. And uh, I thought Dairy Queen was part of church. That's just kind of the way it was. But I, I just went. But at the age of eight, I knew in my life, the stories I'd heard about Jesus and what he did through the cross and through his resurrection, I knew that I was fallen even at eight. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew I'd missed the mark and I needed a savior. And so the culture of our church is that you get up, walk down the aisle at the end with what they call the invitation time. The pastor would be waiting there at the front. And I remember I got up. It was April 16th, 1967. Got up, walked down the aisle, took the pastor by the hand, said something simply like this. I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And he shook my hand, hugged me, and uh, said, I want to introduce you to the the church and your decision that you made this morning. So I kind of went off to the side, kind of an introverted little red-headed guy. And uh, at the end of the service, in front of the people, he calls me up there. Mark, come up here. And he said, this is Mark Westerfield. And today Mark has made his profession of faith. To follow Jesus. And he said, he said, and he's going to stay up here at the front. I'm going to stand up here with him and allow you to come by and just say something to him. Man, okay, this is getting harder for me all of a sudden. And the people start coming by. But there were two people that came by that particular morning that I'll never forget, never get the image out of my mind. One was a lady by the name of Georgia Breland who used to keep us because mom now is raising uh, two little boys. And uh, Georgia would keep us at certain times. And, and I remember Georgia coming by. Now, Georgia was an, an abundant lady. And she came by and she, she hugs me. And she, she just is crying. There's just tears coming down her face. And I'm thinking, like, this is a pretty big deal. And she goes on by. And then coming a little bit later is my Aunt Ruth. Aunt Ruth uh, comes and she was also abundant. But at eight, everybody's abundant. And she just... She just swallowed me up, and this is, I'll never forget her saying this, your dad would be so proud of you. Wow. For a little boy that didn't even know his dad, then all of a sudden his aunt comes and through tears hugs me and says, your dad would be so proud of you. Man, I thought this is a big deal. This is not just some walking an aisle and doing some religious thing. This is a big deal. But yet I continue doing the watts. You know, uh, I just went into the, doing the watts. The, I would, I would uh, you know, what, what are you supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to go to Sunday school. I'd go to Sunday school. What are you supposed to do? Go to church, okay? Special services we may have. I did all of the watts. But then as a teenager, I had a youth minister that... Uh, He came up to me one Sunday morning, and he said this. He said, because I really wasn't into the youth group thing so much, he said, said, Mark, I'd like for you to consider going on a mission trip with us. Man, I thought about it, and he kind of challenged it. He kind of challenged me with it. 
And so there was going to be some things that need to build up to that. In fact, many of you know Pam and I were high school sweethearts, and she also went on that mission trip. But it was a mission trip we went to, and uh, part of the mission trip was door-to-door evangelism, getting out of your comfort zone there. We did backyard Bible clubs. We did a lot of things our students do this very day on mission trips that they go on. But I remember on Thursday night of that mission trip, see, I'd done all the watts, and I'd just about done them to the extent of ad nauseum. But on that Wednesday night, all of a sudden, the Lord took the watts and he gave me the why. And when I learned the why, my life was forever different. And I said, Lord, if this is the church, that the church isn't something you just go to, but it's something you become part of, I'll give my life to this the rest of my life. And some people will say, well, Mark, maybe that's when you were introduced to the Holy Spirit or when you uh, just sanctification went a little bit deeper. I really think it's when I finally came, God brought the reality of it's not what you do, but it's why you do what you do. And I really believe in, a, in the church in America, even in Central, we've got so many people that are just doing the what's. They do them out of habit and ritual and guilt inducement, and they've never known the why. Why do I do what I do? One of my favorite stories to tell when I get to go uh, talk at other churches, I'll tell them the story about a, a guy that was marooned on a desert island, and he was all by himself. Five years later, they finally came and they found him. And when they found him, there were three huts on the island. There was... Uh, three huts, and so they ask him, you know, we're, we're so excited to find you and get you back home, but what are the three huts? And he said, uh, that hut over there, he said, that's my house. And I said, oh, yeah, that's really great. What about that hut? And he said, well, that hut over there, he said, that's my church. He thought, man, they thought that's great. But what about that other hut over there? What What is that other hut? He said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. And I want you to hear me. And I understand there comes time. All of us were at other congregations at one time. I understand that. And there comes time when God says, okay, it's time for you to move on. And you may not even know why. Sometimes there are bad reasons to leave, though. But I think if we concentrate on all the what's and don't know the why's, we will just continue to hop from church to church to church. Because there's something so much deeper. And I, and I know, man, listen, I live in modern day evangelical churchism. I read all the blogs. I read everything about it. I keep abreast of what's going on in churches. And, and uh, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, you, you have your worship experience. You have your small group experiences. You have all these things. You have all these watts that you do. Who are you marketing? You know, are you marketing a certain age group? Are you marketing uh, this group? Or, or what are you doing uh, as far as it goes? You know, so everything you do sometimes is a, temp- a temptation to please you. But I want you to know from what I learned from the scriptures, everything we do is not to please you. It's to please God. And if we are not pleasing him, It doesn't matter who else we're pleasing. And so often, 
That is what is happening in the church today. We market it towards you. Are your kids happy? Are you happy? Are you doing the what's? And are you happy with the what's? And we lose sight of the why. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 because from day one for us as a church, this scripture is what God has used to penetrate me to go back and look through this lens on why we do what we do. The watts come out of the wise, okay? So I'm not opposed to the watts. It's just that they have to be looked upon through the wise. In Colossians 1, chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It says this. Him, referring to Jesus, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Let me read it one more time. Jesus we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You see, it's God's work. And what he is doing is, is he's taking his children to to bring you to full maturity in Christ Jesus. You're not who you were, but you're not who you're going to be either. And part of the role of the church is we exalt him and let his power flow out of us. We are able to warn people and to reach people so they can come to full maturity on what they were created for in the first place. That's what we're called. That's why we do what we do. It's not just to gather you together. It's not just to sing some songs. It's not just to have a small group. It's not just to try to meet all of our needs it is to exalt him and to warn people so that we can present everybody mature and complete in christ jesus you know i don't know when i stand before the lord someday exactly what all he's going to ask of me and what he has given me to fulfill on this planet if he were to say, Mark, how did you do as a pastor with those people that I gave you to shepherd? Were they growing into completeness and maturity in Christ Jesus? Man, that makes my skin crawl. But that's what I am called to do, not by my power, but by the Spirit of Christ who flows through me. And when I look at that, I look at three things that are huge for me and for us as a church body as central. You see, I'm very relational. I mean, that's just the way I'm wired. And, and, and for you that know me well, you, you just know that. I, 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 I'm intuitive. I'm relational. That's just the way I roll. And, and I want to know you. I want to try to know your name. If I can't know your name, I, I'll maybe forget it once, right, Peggy? And uh, then I'll know it forever after that. 
but uh, I want to know you. I want to know something. When I, when I uh, write your birthday cards, I pray over you. When I write other cards, I pray over you. If I see a name I don't uh, recognize or can't put a face to it, I'll go find. Most people have a Facebook page. I'll go find you, not stalk you, but just to find what you look like. I don't want to stalk. Good night. Uh, talk about depressing. Uh, but I just want to see what you look like so that I can put that face with that name to try to know you best I can. And, and I know as the congregation gets larger, it's a little more difficult. But, but that's just the way I'm wired. So for me, everything revolves around connection. How are we to be connected? And the number one thing is that I want everybody at Central to connect with the Father. I mean to connect with him. And part of what Brett and the team and our worship ministry tries to do is not to entertain, but to bring us to a connect point with the Father. And if you come in here and you say, oh, was that worship good? Was it not good? It has nothing to do with whether it was good or not from from a technical standpoint. Even though we want it to be excellent for the Father, maybe sometimes the reason we don't connect in here is we're not connecting Monday through Saturday. And so we, we expect something to come from here to bring us into relationship with the Father that you can have on a daily basis. You can open up the Word for yourself. You can sing songs for yourself. You can come to spirit fullness yourself. So number one is to connect with the Father. I, I, I read something that was interesting about global satellites. You know, there are hundreds of satellites that are shot out there, whether they're weather, weather satellites or global positioning or for your phones or whatever. There's satellites all out there. But, you know, the key to that satellite is once it gets into orbit, it has to be on the same orbit as the planet. And I read that there are many satellites that are not on the right orbit and they're useless because they're not in the right position. I wonder how many Christians are useless because we're not in the right position. We're not worshiping our creator. We got to connect with the father. And so if there's any, any why behind anything is that we connect with the father because he desires it and he is worth it. And I love these songs that we have sung this morning about the worth of who God is. Connect with God. Second of all, is to connect with other Christ followers. You know, you can't read the scriptures and not see that the scriptures talk over and over again about that we are love one another, we're to serve one another, we're to be with one another, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves with one another. All these one another's that are there. Many people say, man, you know, being a Christian would be great if it wasn't for other people. Or being a minister would be great if it wasn't for people. You know, we need one another. We need community. We must be connected to one another. And I know some of you are thinking, man, that's kind of difficult, or I've tried that, and it didn't work. Or if the church would just provide this, then maybe, then maybe I can connect on that. And But we have to connect with one another. Um, <clears throat> I brought my Legos. These are my old Legos. Uh, 
These uh, were when the grandkids were little, and they've all grown up on me now. And so we've got other other forms of Legos, <clears throat> you know, that are much more intricate now. But these these are the original that we had for the grandkids. Um, and you know what's interesting about Legos? See, these are big old dudes, and uh, these were um, these ones we had when they first got started. And there's actually a cool one in here. Let me. Oh, here it is. It's kind of a bumper on a car, like you could care less about there. And here's the car with wheels on it. Uh, I know you kind of want to get up here and play with me. But, you know, the interesting thing about uh, about these Legos... Oh, good night. Uh, they're different, you know. Um, they're not all the same. They, they're different. They're used for different things. But one thing that they were created for was to connect. They were meant to connect to one another. That's what they were meant for. They, they're they different. They're not the way you would think, but uh, uh, they're not all the same, but they're all meant to connect. But if you ever had a Lego that's gotten away from the rest of the group and uh, you're walking across the floor in the middle of the night, oh, man. Especially those little shards, it's like a shard of glass that just got you all of a sudden. You step on that and you're, oh, you know, that, that Lego is not supposed to be there and it's causing discomfort. I wonder sometimes if there are not Christians who are disconnected and what they're doing is instead of bringing uh, people to Christ, they become a deterrent just like that Lego stepping on it. And they bump into you and they're thinking, man, is this what Christianity is all about? Disconnected? Or you got this thing that happens a lot of time is you've got this connection and say, you know, I'm not a blue Lego. I'd really like to be a blue Lego, but I'm just a little yellow Lego. I, I don't know. You know, I'd really much rather be a, or I'd rather be the green base because that's really cool. How everything, you know how we, we think that other people are better when God created us the way he created us, gifted us the way he's gifted us, filled us with his spirit so that we find our place in the church to be connected. You're to be connected. You're to be connected with others so you can grow into this maturity. That's what we're working towards as we exalt Christ. We're Legos that God wants to put together. I, um, yesterday, at, at, after Barry's funeral, this, uh, this guy comes up to me out there, and, and uh, we'd, we're kind of letting over, going go to the meal and this kind of stuff. And the guy came, comes up to him, man, just a real friendly guy from Goldthwaite. Uh, and he, uh, he starts talking to me and he's telling me, and he said, that's my wife going on over there. He said, next week we'll be married 50 years. I said, man, congratulations. That is fantastic. He said, yeah. He said, I go to First Baptist Church Goldthwaite. I said, man, that's great. He said, I've been there forever. He said, you know, and he started telling me about pastors they had who had gone on to other places and, and God was using it other places. You know, sometimes a small church will complain, oh, we can't keep the pastor. They just came here for a few years and then they're gone and this kind of stuff. This guy saw it as a launch board for the kingdom. He said, we had this guy and now he's off doing this. Man, he was so excited because his church, 
he felt like that small country church had launched these guys out. And I just told him, I said, man, I wish that other churches would see it that way, that they take ministers who've got to start somewhere, and they're launching them out for the kingdom. I thought, man, that is great. And so we talked about that, and he, he said, yeah, I said, I'm, the, I'm also the, the head usher at the church. And uh, I said, man, that's great. And so we talked a little bit longer, and there were some other people uh, to talk. And so he, he said, but I, but I got to go. He said, uh, he said, you know, uh, other thing. And I thought, man, this is great. Guy's in his 70s. He said, other thing. He said, I've been teaching in children's Sunday school for the last 20 years. I said, man, that's great. I said, man, I, how, how can we get you at our church? I'd love to keep you around. And he said, you know, he said, he said it's not about what I'm able to do for them so much. He said, what they do for me. He said, they're dependent on me. They're counting on me. And when they're counting on me, it keeps me accountable. See you later. And he left. And I thought, man, where is that spirit? I want to do whatever for the church, for the kingdom. 20 years, and I'm 70, 20 years in the kids' ministry. I want to do it. Because people are counting on me. Man, we got to connect with one another. We're a family. Well, Mark, I think it's dysfunctional. Well, what family isn't? Okay? Connect with one another. One more thing. We got to connect with a needy world. We got to connect with people that earnestly need Jesus. We got to become grace dispensers. We got to become servants. We got to become feet washers. We got to become out there what we need to do. I, I want to read a couple of passages of scripture to you. First one's out of the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 27. It says this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then I want to turn over to Isaiah chapter 58. And in Isaiah chapter 58, it says this. I'm going to begin in verse 6. They're talking about a fast. The people are wanting to do a religious fast and this kind of thing. And Isaiah challenges them this way. He says, Is not the, this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. It's saying if you're doing these God things about serving and helping others, then you yourself will become a spring of life. Think about it. I'm just wondering. 
if oftentimes our funk and our things that we get into that are not uh, Christ-centered, we get in these depressed states and we get in these places of spiritual dryness, I just wonder if the reason we're there is because we're not giving ourselves away to serve as God wanted us to serve. Just thinking about it. I uh, heard a speaker, I was listening to a sermon this week, and he said that uh, when he flies a lot, he gets to sit by uh, uh, military men, service people. And he said he'll get in a conversation with them, and he said, he said, you know, I've really come to the conclusion talking to some of these military men one-on-one that there's a lot of dysfunction in our military. They just don't like certain things. They don't like each other at times. And he said, I really learned that. But he said, then what I learned next was this. He said, but when there's an objective and a fight that needs to take place, he said, that's when the band of brothers comes together. He said, it's when they're not doing what they were called to do is when they have the dysfunction. And I thought about that and I thought, man, is that not the reason that sometimes churches turn on each other and we, we're like marbles in a bag instead of grapes that are smushed together? We're beaten up against each other. But when we start focusing on serving the world the way that God has told us to do, then we move together as the mighty kingdom that he wants us to be. We've got to connect with a world that desperately needs Jesus. I mean, they desperately need Jesus. You know they're not the enemy. They're just separated from their creator. Are you connected to the Father? I mean, are you connected? Have you come to the why and you're not just doing the what's? You you know that you're doing this because you have a Father that loves you intimately and He sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. And He has given you the very Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells you. Are you connected to Him? And then secondly, are you connected to other believers? And I'm not saying everybody in this room. There is a thread that works through all of us. But do you have community? Connection. I, uh, uh, yesterday, another funny story. To me, this is hilarious because I lived it. Um, you know, we're doing a funeral. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be in charge, uh, uh, know what's going on and this kind of stuff. And, and um, the, the, the daughter... Um, uh, Barry's daughter, Darlene's daughter, uh, her community group from her church was doing all the food and the serving and they were bringing food and they were taking it over to the front building and this kind of stuff. And, uh, I'm gathering the family in the room over here because we're going to pray before we come in. And this lady comes up, I thought it was kind of funny. And, uh, she comes up to me and she said, where's my tray? Where's my cart? And I thought, Uh, Well, if it was a cart she was talking about, I'd moved it from the very foyer into the room. And uh, and she said, where's where's my cart? It's to carry food over for the servant of the family. You know, I'm thinking, the flesh would probably say, listen, I'm the pastor here. I am about to pray with his family. I'm about to go in and preach. Listen, do you know who I am? I didn't do that. But that's kind of what the, you know what I did? Went and got her cart. And uh, gave it to her, and 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 she she kind of looked looked at another lady, and you know it was like that. About time we got the card back. <laughs> but but here's my thought: Was I offended? No. 
No, I was not offended at all. Because you see, her element of service, which I really believe in the kingdom, was as important as what I was going to be doing to get up and preach. She was serving this family. And I wanted to just fan that into flame. Are you connected with others? And then are you connected with a needy world? Do you know in your school, in your, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your soccer field, football field, band, whatever it is, there are connect points that people desperately need the love of Jesus. And let me, let me just go one step further. Your Bible fellowship, your small group, your community, whatever you have, you want to really grow, grow close? I'm all in favor of let's do Bible study, but let's shut the Bible sometimes and let's get out and serve people together. And you see the closeness that comes to your community. I'll end with this thought. You know, in John chapter 14, in John chapter 14, I, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you just let me let me kind of preface it because you're going to know what I'm talking about. It says, let your, not your hearts be troubled. Believe God, believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. For he says, in my father's house are many rooms and I've gone to prepare a place for you. Now, for us, in fact, some of the more modern, King James kind of did it. They put mansions on there because we thought heaven is so grandiose, we better put mansions. It literally means rooms. But when you get the historical perspective, it's going to make more sense. You see, what a, a Jewish father would do is when his son got ready to get married and to have a bride, what the father would do is he would allow his son to build on a room to their home so that the, the son could go get his bride and come back and they would have a room. And Jesus is saying this to his followers. He's saying, listen, you are my bride and I'm going to prepare a room for you. And I'm going to come get you and take you to where I am. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You know what we're doing right now? And I know for us men, it's a little, uh, it's a little, Mark, I'm not sure I can grab that. We're becoming the beautiful bride of Christ. And you know what it says in Revelation 22 at the very end of all time? It says, Christ and the bride say come. Man, that's a huge why we do what we do. Would you bow with me just a moment?